Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. If you wanted to offset this via cost segregation by going into syndication deals, of course, this is the big disclaimer. Every deal is different, different varying um, amounts of cost segregation or deals, very different ages of properties, different geographic locations, many factors. But for the most part, I see like in multifamily value add, class B class, I see whatever investors put in, assuming that there's prudent leverage, 80, 70% of the value, maybe you see 50% to 80% of what you put in as first year losses. I've seen it come back over 100% too. I'll just run with 60% just to be conservative. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was one of the big numbers that I was wondering if I bought into a, a syndication that did cost segregation with X dollars, what percent of X might I get back? In theory, you could go invest like 1.2, 1.4 million and knock this 800 out. I wouldn't suggest that's a little ballsy to just go. And, <laughs> well, and, well, you did call me. But you're a high roller there. I was actually behind you in, in Starbucks one of these days in Bellevue back in the day before you bought the Clippers. But anyway, so yeah, like you could go on to, you could deploy that much money and do that. Not recommended. I have people in my mastermind group, they've done it because they armed with the right investor group and go off of referrals and deploy very quickly. To me personally, what I see a lot of people do and what I would do is just go into a few deals at the minimum, test the relationship out. And that, unfortunately, that means maybe if you do a hundred grand a few times, that's 300 grand. That's not going to get you anywhere near 800 thousand dollars of passive losses maybe by investing 300 you get 200 thousand does that make sense in theory you yeah. can but let's be real here right you don't take me as i just jump into the abyss type of guy so no i've right. never seen on any of your other coaching calls you give that advice to anyone have you sold this subject property yet yeah it's sold at this point all oh. of, yeah so you're gonna love this one all the proceeds are sitting in qi accounts as part of a 1031 exchange and these 1031 guys drive me insane because a lot of these things like all these self-directed retirement accounts these other solo 401k accounts that people tout as all these snake oil type of products they're good in the right situation they're all tools same thing with 1031 exchanges in the right situation they make sense you have until the end of the year to accumulate $800,000 of passive losses. <laughs> yep, that's the challenge. This is just for the viewers, right? I don't want you to get down on yourself. But if you would have done it like the way I would have preferred, it was like, all right, let's wait until like January, February of 2022. That way we have all of the remaining of this year and next year to build up 800 grand of passive activity losses. How do you time that kind of a sale? It turns out that it was actually in about January that I went to my real estate agent and said, hey, I'd love to talk about what these would be valued with. And by the time that conversation resolved and a buyer was found and three or four months dragged out, we got to June before closing. You haven't sold this thing, have you yet? You, you have. Yeah, I, I okay. have. Okay. So it's, I started the process in January, but it took six months to sell. Yeah. So, so you, if I were trying to time it, a sale to land in January, how would that even be possible? You sell at the end of the year or you delay it, like, or you lead with, let's just start off getting passive activity losses as much as we can first, and then we go and sell the asset, ideally in the beginning of the following year. Okay. So you put it on the market in November, October, so that closing happens in January. Yeah. 
or you just wait until middle of quarter one. Until you, if you wanted to do this the smart way, you don't do this until you're like right at the end of your quest for eight hundred thousand dollars of passive activity losses. So you know what it might sell for, and then you build up the passive losses ahead of time. Yeah, it's not a uh, guessing game. You don't need CPA to do that. You and I just did that right here. Maybe it'll come plus or minus 50 grand, but go get close to $800,000. In case this happens again, you don't have mm -hmm. another one of these types of properties, do you? I had all my real estate portfolio in those two properties. This is the analogy why I don't like these 1031s exchanges. And I don't like the strategy of putting all your eggs in one basket, like how you have. The obvious thing is that you want to diversify, which is why my rule for 5 to 10% at most of your net worth into any one asset because things happen. See, locations change. They could find a nuclear bomb in Tacoma or whatever, Pasco. Who knows? Things happen. This is why I like to diversify over a few major markets and stay away from a complete tertiary market portfolio. But nevertheless, it's like the analogy I use is like a hot air balloon. So maybe five, 10 years ago, you, you got it. You bought the asset, you bought the beginning assets that started this and the hot air balloon goes up and up. Maybe when you had a, a hundred, few hundred thousand dollars of capital gain, the hot air balloon is like eight feet up in the ground. You could probably jump out and you'd be okay. The, <laughs> yeah. the real Steve Bomber probably twist an ankle. And that's what I did. Like when I sold my seven rentals that I had a $200,000 capital gain depreciatory capture. So maybe I was 10 feet up in the air. Mm -hmm. But by having all these suspended passive losses built up with my 8285 form, it was, I threw a bunch of pillows in the ground. I had $300,000, $400,000 of passive fee losses, pillows. Then when I jumped out 10 feet out of the, a hot air balloon, I just landed on a bunch of pillows and I'm cool. In this case, you <laughs> rolled that hot air balloon up. I don't know what you want to call it, like 70 feet up in the, nah, I don't know, 40 feet up there. It's going to hurt, but you're probably going to live. And, and this is why I like this analogy. Okay, here's what I really suggest real time for you. I'm not a big fan of like hastily investing. But you got to get going, right? You're going to get some damn pillows under you because if you fall out of this hot air balloon at 40 feet up in the air, there's a good chance you're going to die. We know for a fact you're going to pay a boatload of those taxes on the $800,000 capital gain. Most likely 50 cents on every dollar that you don't put to protect yourself when you fall out. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.